0: This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. Hey everybody, I am super excited. I don't know what number we're at, 59, 60 <laughs> of the podcast. And I, But I have I have a friend this time around. It's not somebody I randomly met on a Facebook group or a Reddit chat these days. Uh, it's my friend Anna, and I've known Anna for over a decade now. I guess you can talk about how we met, but uh, she was sharing a story on, on on Facebook. I'm sorry, I sorry, not sorry. That Facebook seems to give me rise for a lot of podcast ideas and guests. Uh, I guess with COVID <laughs> and and the fact that my 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 local community is is relatively boring. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, uh, I get I get to f- get to reach out beyond my geography and Anna is on the other side of the country, so she'll tell her. she'll t- talk about herself. but yeah, I she had something to share and I felt that this was the right avenue on the podcast to talk about her story. So Anna Borland, uh, thank you so much for joining.
1: Oh, yeah, thank you for having me tomorrow.
0: Yeah, so where are you in the world? I know I, I mentioned a little bit, but you can give me a little more on that. Yeah,
1: I am. I'm born and raised in Southern California, and uh, I've been in this area pretty much most of my life, and I live in Corona, California, in Riverside County. So it's been interesting, even simply just having the name Corona, everything I post on social media has a warning because they think I'm talking about COVID. So it's just because I'm checking in because I'm at a restaurant. So it's been kind of hilarious being from here these days.
0: Yeah, their algorithm hasn't figured that out. But it's funny, it's funny, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to say you're from Corona, right? And, yeah. uh, I, and that's I, I never knew that. You should post that. You should post a screenshot of what you deal with every single day.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, because I moved to Corona about six six or seven years ago, and I'm actually from Anaheim, so I went from being Anna from Anaheim to <laughs> being from Corona. <laughs> yeah,
0: Anna from Anaheim. I like that. I like that. That's awesome. Um, cool. <laughs> so... Um, Yeah, where, what do you, I I know I met you through, I guess I would say more of the industry than anything else. Uh, So you could talk about that. Feel free to share where, how we met and what you do and where you've come like Tredek career wise if you have a, a little bit of a story in that regard.
1: Absolutely. Great. Um, yeah, God, we met in such a funny way, I guess because we were both early adopters when it came to social media. So I know that we've each been members of, I don't know, failed social media platforms (laughs) is really the right word. Just, you know, the candle didn't keep burning. (laughs) Um, so we ran across each other and it turned out, Oh, you know, we were in, you know, the similar industries, women in tech, Specifically, you know, we're SEO and marketing and all kinds, and social media and all kinds of different things that were emerging. And we kept talking. And then um, I remember when you were getting ready to be a mama for the first time, uh, I I sent things, clothes and play things and all that stuff for, uh, for your first little one. Um, and we bonded over that. And then um, next thing you know, we were up at two or three in the morning. Gosh. And that was my time. So (laughs) you're a night owl and, uh, working on bouncing ideas off each other for your book. So that was, it was really neat to get to know you in that way. And then of course, as each of our stories has evolved, we've, you know, made sure we were there for those significant milestones cheering each other on, of course. Um, and as far as my career goes, I honestly, I ran into a guy I went to high school with outside an Outback Steakhouse. We were waiting for a table. And um, he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm kind of dabbling with building websites. And that was back with Yahoo GeoCities and everything. And he goes, that's funny. I work at a website company. I'm the accountant. And I know they need people. And I think within a week I was working there. and I started as a customer service representative which also meant we were hand coding the HTML for all the websites that we were building at a real estate website company and um, because that was that was back in the old days that was the everything was the wild wild west this was before Google was on the the scene you were you know getting into the Yahoo directory was free and then it was 299 and then all that stuff was evolving through all of that at a startup and so I got to kind of wear every hat at the company, which, and I was there for 11 years, all the way from, you know, four to 8,000 square foot office space, all the way up to uh, getting bought out by a giant company on the East Coast and uh, working with them for a while with some pretty big name brands and doing marketing for them and search engine optimization and being, the voice and the face of the company, um, with all, you know, when forums were really big and doing all of that. And it just led to more conversations with you tomorrow and with people like you. And, um, yeah, it, it led me to this place. And then I dealt with, um, some pretty significant health issues that they couldn't figure out because Eventually, spoiler alert, it turned out to be an autoimmune condition. And those are really hard to diagnose. So yeah. I went through years of struggle. And at that point, I decided I was um, the director of two departments for search engine optimization and content. And I was working for a company that was making mandatory overtime. And all I could offer my employees was like free pizza when they came in on a Saturday or a Sunday. And it was just. I thought there has to be a better way than the churn and burn agency life. And um, so at the time I was married and um, I went home and I talked to my then husband and I said, there has to be a better way. I can't do this anymore. My health is ridiculous. And I keep feeling like I'm going to pass out at work. And like, I don't even believe in what I'm doing. I feel like we're not serving the customer as well. And he said, well, then just start your own business. And I was like, yeah. And the next day I, I did. I gave notice at my job and I sent an email to about 20 different people. And I said that I was going to start working on my own. And this is what I want to do for people's businesses. And I said, who's in? And within about 30 minutes, I had a full roster of clients of people who just emailed me back. I'm in, when do we start? And that's Kind of how I got to where I am. And the job I have now, I love it so much. And it was born from that business. They just started contracting all my hours about five years ago. And so now it's like they have all my hours, all my heart, and I have health benefits. So I, I absolutely love what I do. So that's kind of my career journey and how we met and weaved in and out with each other throughout the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, it's been interesting. I didn't realize that your story started with the GeoCities uh, trajectory, but it doesn't surprise me. And I mean, I've seen you sort of since you've done your—you worked for a firm, you had your own firm, and yeah, I, I, I love that. Back in the day, I wasn't on GeoCities because AOL had its own website. Not their—it wasn't a website builder, but AOL allowed members. Com, and oh, I had a right. website there. And that was a that was a fun experience. I will tell you that, uh, but you know that you understand because everyone was on GeoCities, and I was like, oh, I have my website, and I still do. You know, on the Internet Wayback Machine, you can still pull it up, which is kind of fun because it was right. like, It was like our teenage years. It was how we grew right. up on the Internet,
1: and t- like our teenage years, all the trends are coming back. I remember when we were. I was on GeoCities. I was like, look, when you open my page, it's playing MIDI of everything, every little thing she does is magic, and there's blue butterfly GIFs flying everywhere, right? It's like, look, I coded that. And then it was like, GIFs, they're, you know, oh, that's so old, that's like GeoCities, that's old, and then all of a sudden, we GIFs. speak to each other in GIFs now. GIFs! <laughs> Just more
0: You're killing me, GIFs, 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 GIFs!
1: I can't have the debate. It's not, it's, it's, it's not.
0: <laughs> it's GIF, it's totally GIF. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, you can't do okay, that. Okay,
1: well, I I will challenge you a a GIF to a graphic designer. <laughs> it's a graphic designer.
0: Um, and I will chart. I will <laughs> challenge you for a giraffe. I don't
1: really know where I'm going with this. <laughs> a giraffe. You are so funny. Yeah, but if you say you're a graphics designer and a GIF is a graphics, <laughs> then I just think it's GIF. And I know the guy who created it says GIF, so like props to him. I think Will Wheaton and uh, Chris Hardwick had this debate and they're best friends, so it's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not okay with this. It's not, for my mind, it doesn't work so well. I can't, I can't mentally process this.
1: Yeah, but we can agree that the blue butterfly that, you know, the shiny butterflies flying up from our GeoCities and our MySpace pages. Those are long gone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I never did animated stuff. I thought that the MySpace era, I only joined MySpace because everybody else was, was on it. But it wasn't really my thing because, yeah, the fancy schmancy like it's that's why Facebook never really wanted to move into that trajectory because. Right.
1: That was ugly AF. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we didn't, you know, I I felt like I didn't know any better. And then once I did, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like going in the file of like most embarrassing moments. Like <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to here. pull up
0: your your Geo City site after this just to see what your little butterflies look like.
1: I don't even think it's because I think they took them all down. I don't really know if it's there. It wouldn't.
0: But, yeah. Um, the way I I think I think what happened is that the Wayback Machine decided. That it's too ugly to even go to the Wayback Machine. What do you think?
1: (laughs) We'll have to ask archive.org about that. Yep. That is so funny. Well, that is actually how I learned code, though. It's so funny. Like, now there's all these, like, free programs and Girls Who Code and all this stuff. But then it was, like, it was almost like you could feel like for for white hat people like me it was like ooh i feel kind of like a hacker because i made this do something it said it couldn't do um <laughs> and that's how i learned and i mean really that's if we if i'm being honest that's the the toe i dipped into the pool that got me into my entire career
0: yeah yeah wow that it, it it's true it works like for me i was online i loved communicating with people online i liked html ish I hated, when it started, it was really nice to build everything on one HTML site, but I think what eventually as things migrated to the CSS world and try to get updated W3 standards and all of a sudden like this strong tag started being deprecated and I was like, ugh, this sucks. So I stopped caring. And nowadays I'm using like WYSIWYG builders like Elementor, which is my new, I don't want to say my obsession because it pisses me off in many ways, (laughs) but I... Even so, like, I can't troubleshoot my own sites anymore. I mean, I understand a little bit, but, like, you know, this be- this became, as the web grew, it became more sophisticated and a lot more challenging. And anybody listening, just don't overthink. <laughs> just hire, right. hire a web designer. Hire just Anna. Just get
1: a WordPress website and stop overthinking it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And Elementor is built okay. on WordPress. Yeah, you will be okay. But, you know, for me, I'm like, right now, I'm trying to make Tamar.com. Uh, a little, like I'm moving from WP Bakery, which is another WYSIWYG, uh, do what you see is what you get to, uh, builder, to Elementor. And I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I want things to be as perfect as they used to be. So I will say that it really does anger me to no ends when I can't get the same functionality. So there's that, but
1: yeah. Or if somebody uses it, the way it's not meant to be used, like I'm cleaning up a, a website right now that used WP Bakery and I had never used it before. I just, I just haven't. And um, I, it is take, it's going to take me like probably 80 more hours than I originally quoted or expected because everything got built in the, like in the theme in the right. plugin, so like if I just change themes, it eras- it's gonna erase everything.
0: Yeah, that's the challenge that I have because I'm trying to migrate that over. But WP Bakery, as not so glorified as a, as a script and a builder that it is, because it does make the website slow. It yep. does. It, it I think it's easier to use, even though it's not as pretty. It's easier to use than Elementor, which is annoying because everyone's like, you gotta move to Elementor, you gotta move to Elementor, and I'm I'm, I'm drinking the Kool Aid right now.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I I get a lot of, I have, I had a client that was using Elementor, but I got to tell you, I think the key is you have to be the one who installs it on a fresh site because what's happened is there's all kinds of inherited legacy issues and somebody copied code from here and there. And there's all these weird IDs in the middle of like, just a picture, like a before and after picture. And it's, it's just ridiculous. So yeah, that is one of the mountains I am trying to climb right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, I I wish you the best on that. I know it it isn't so, it's not as easy as it seems. And I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, I'm like, Oh, I feel so good about Elementor one day. And then five seconds later, I'm like, wait a minute, that's one issue. And then I have to solve like 30 more. I actually got, I had, I hit burnout two weeks ago. And I couldn't work for about two weeks because some of the stuff was just so frustrating that I needed to take a a, a break. And I started it back yesterday, and I and then and then all of a sudden things started not working. And <laughs> I was like, "This sucks! I can't do this again."
1: I've but- totally been I've totally been there. And people think when they say, "Oh, I got this drag and drop editor," there's like a part of my soul that just sinks because I'm like, you know, I really could have fixed this if you just put the I could have fixed this if the code was just in a notepad document, and I could just hand code the HTML that's going to go in the page. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like now, now it's so much more complicated because you dragged and dropped, and you you did it, you pasted from all these weird places, you did it all these different things, and it's just like all these weird nested tables and. Things like that. So it's it's really sort of like needle in a haystack work. Um, and it's hard to explain that to a client yeah. because they just slapped it all together. And you're like, well, now I'm having to reverse engineer this so that that content can be in your new design. Right, right. Yeah. So it's, it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. And I, I really appreciate that more people are talking about that drag and drop is not as drag and drop It's harder as to you do. think <laughs> because it's not as scalable for change. Yeah.
0: It's funny because... The internet was a lot easier in the 90s than it is now. (laughs) That's
1: what I I think. I agree. I agree. Go back to listening to our grunge with our flannels and, you know, flying by the seat of our pants because this new thing just got released and, you know, I mean, I remember when Yahoo was in alphabetical order, so we've come a long way, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, we could reminisce for a really long time, though. But, I know, <laughs> but hopefully, we have listeners who like web design and understand their challenges. But we can talk about other challenges, I guess. Uh, let's talk about yeah. So, I mean, you touch upon a few things. I think you probably want to elaborate on those things. Um, your story, the Anna, the Anna adversity story. I guess I would start with. Tell me a little bit about that. I know it, like it started. There were things that I've learned about you recently that, um, that I didn't know. So there's that. And then I guess there's something else. I don't, I don't know. I'll let you do it. I'm not volunteering anything for you.
1: Oh, for sure. Okay. So I know we touched on all this tech and web design and stuff like that. And, you know, web dev, um, understand that that is the cool part of, I won't call it the end of my story. You know, I'm in the middle of my story, of course, in my life, um, But that is the very cool um, victory and functioning, healthy citizen sort of result of all the stuff that I went through um, since I was a little kid. And um, so when people find out that I'm not, you know, kind of going nuts, you know, or on the street or anything like that they're kind of amazed and I don't even think of it that way I only realized that from the outside looking in because that's what people have said to me um but I I would I I was raised by my mom I never knew my dad and uh, there is a funny story about how I like met him once um, on accident when I was working at Sears but that's uh, we can get to that later but I, I didn't know my dad And, um, my mom was the emerging bipolar, meaning she was in the time when they called it manic depressive. They were just coming out with lithium and she was the tester group. She was actually in a clinical trial for it. And, um, it really affected my childhood. There was a, a small part of my childhood that there's like bits and pieces that I feel like shined through. But I remember being homeless at six, um, sleeping in somebody's garage on a mattress with cockroaches all around me. Um, my mom having me live with my aunt and uncle and said they were going to adopt me. And then all of a sudden she was convinced that they were there was a conspiracy and they were trying to steal me. So she'd come in the middle of the night just to take me to be homeless somewhere. Wow. Um, so there was... There was all of that going on, um, and in the middle of it, there were stepdads and boyfriends and all these sorts of things, and um, I, of course, as the only child, the, you know, the little girl, I was, of course, um, a, I guess tossed around uh, a victim of that sort of uh, circumstance. Right. You know, I was the statistic. Really. Um, So everything... I was always physically abused by my mother. Um, I would get hit with all kinds of things. And I'm not talking about the like... You know, I know everybody kind of... You know, not everybody. But I know it wasn't abuse. Like if somebody got a spanking or somebody... Like I don't really come from that school of thought. Um, But this was true abuse. Um, And it was just forever. And, and so there was the physical abuse, there was the verbal abuse. And then, um, I, she married a man who took it upon himself to give me at at eight years old, some sort of sex talk. And that turned into me being abused, you know, sexually abused by him. And then when I told my mom because you know all the the more you know commercials and everything that tell you tell someone tell a teacher tell your parents tell whoever Um, I did all that and it all got swept under the rug so here I was an eight-year-old and my mom entrenched in um, what she felt was some sort of biblical direction said that her husband the Bible says her husband comes first. So she was telling me that he was allowed to abuse me. Um, So that continued. And then there was more. They were taking pictures of me while I was in the shower and selling them for um, rent money and things like that. And there were a couple of times that I was actually uh, sold to uh, friends of his for the weekend um, and things like that when I was very young. And so I remember one of the times when I was... You know, I, I, I want to call it a basement, but I know it was in Southern California and I'm really pretty sure it was just like a weird odd room because I don't think there was truly a basement in Fullerton, California, (laughs) but, um, but I was there for three days and I was just, I was handcuffed for three days and I remember that, um, and I had a friend who actually lived in the neighborhood. I have bits where I can really, cause I have a very good memory um, I wouldn't quite call it an eidetic memory, but, um, close. And so there's bits and pieces where it's like, oh, I've been over here before. This is where this thing happened. Um, because of course I'm in the same area that I, I grew up around. Um, so it's really interesting. And when I say it out loud, I go, whoa, how am I not super messed up? And so here's kind of the, the answer to that. Cause that's what a lot of people ask. Um, and the truth is. I was privileged to have some really cool people around me who said well let me just take you to church and we had gone to, you know my 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 mom and everything there was always church involved you know that sort of thing just go to youth group but as I was getting older you know junior high high school I could go to youth group I could and that was fun you know you played air hockey and you you had tacos beforehand or whatever it was it was hanging out it wasn't It didn't have to be about religion, right? And then, you know, you have your Bible study and talk. But here was the thing is that there were young adults who were around me who started hearing what was going on, and they started signaling me, hey, that's not normal. (laughs) And for a super long time, I didn't realize how abnormal everything that was going on was until I started kind of talking about it. And apparently I had been in some sort of survival mode Um, and so through this, I met a woman named Nancy and Nancy pulled me aside and I believe I was about 15 years old and she said, I want you to listen to me carefully. And she had been through terrible abuse through her family as a child. So she pulled me aside and she said this. It seems like, because because we filed police reports, we did all this stuff, everything fell through the cracks. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. CPS stopped calling. Like everybody tried to like get me foster cared, adopted all these things. And it just, it just all fell through the cracks. So she pulled me aside and she goes, doesn't look like we're going to be able to legally get you out of anything right now. So here's what you need to do. You need to prepare for when you turn 18 and you can get out. So she said you need to learn to type really fast. Okay. And then she said you need to as soon as you turn 18, you need to sign up with a temp agency so you can get a job job. So you can get out. And then that's the other thing. You need to get out and have your own apartment. Like you need to do that. And then the last thing she told me is as soon as you are 18, you need to sign up to get counseling. Because back then you needed parental consent to do like everything. So I think now if one of my kids needed to go talk to somebody, they could just do it and they didn't they don't need my consent, which is fantastic. Yeah. But back then they, you know, Stigma. they had this control on me. Yeah. So and I didn't even have access to a phone. They would when I was home, they would there was no phone on the hook. It was in their locked bedroom. So I wasn't allowed to call 911 or anything. So She told me these things, and I don't know what it is, but it just stuck to me. It was like, this is my directive. This is my manifesto. This is what I need to do. And I was kicked out at 17. My mom came to me on a Tuesday and said, I don't want to be a mom anymore. You need to be out by Saturday. Wow. So it threw some of the things into chaos um for me because I had to scramble instead of you know have all my plans in a row but I had learned to type like really fast I knew that I could sign up with this very specific temp agency that was going to help me get you know a job and I had already been working at retail you know saving up some money so I was kind of on my way and then at that point I knew I could sign up for counseling so this is what I think really made a difference so many people go through hell and back and again and again and help is fleeting i because of nancy and her sticking that in my brain and me being ready for it i i started counseling right away when i turned 18 and i dealt with so much so it's like I went you know for years I think I went from 18 to about 23 to this one specific counselor who helped me with feelings of guilt about my mother and all you know because I wasn't talking to my mom because it was unhealthy but then other members of the family were like everybody's been abused we just get over it and move on that's your mom you know these sorts of things these old tropes that we have to sweep under the rug and love somebody because they share DNA with us and that's just a total lie. Um, and so I remember her really helping me visually. There was a whiteboard in her counseling room, and she would say, Okay, I need you to repeat this. It is okay to not feel guilty about not talking to my mom. So, like, I had this mantra that I repeated so that I wouldn't have this baggage. OK. And then um, and it kind of felt like I was playing like a, a role playing game. And these were like little side quests to, like, make me stronger. And um, and then she said, well, and, and, and of course, at the time, um, you know, my faith and my faith is still very important to me. It's just taken on a bit of a different um, outlook. But at the time, my faith was very important to me and the Bible was very important. Um, and I want to say it still is, like I said, it's just taken on a different kind of, um, face for me, but she asked me what, what tool, what, what tool do I have in my, you know, in my toolbox that seems like it would help me. And I said, well, there's this verse in the Bible that says to take every thought into captivity. And that the context of that is, So that you have control of your mind and your mind is in a good place and in a healthy place. And so I thought, gosh, what a great mental health foundation, regardless of, I mean, from atheist to agnostic. What a good practice (laughs) to take every thought into captivity and decide if that is something that's worthy of your energy and your time. And so she said, I like that. So what we did is we diagrammed on her whiteboard where my thoughts were going sideways because, and and at that point I had been diagnosed with um, PTSD and OCD from trauma. So less straightening carpet fringe in the middle of the night and more like, um, intrusive thoughts and things of that nature. Um, you know, my brain being like one big worst case scenario, you know, choose your own adventure book. Um, and so we diagram those thoughts out and she goes, okay, here's where she, and we would circle, here's where the thought went from, you know, kind of like a normal trajectory to being in that OCD territory. And so I had this visual representation of how to just stop and change that. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's how I'm here today. Wow. And I've been I've been to other counseling, you know, like it's kind of like going to the doctor in some ways Like sometimes it's good to have it for a long time. Sometimes you go when you need it um, I've obviously gone through some other hard things as a as an adult. I've been divorced I, um, You know had all kinds of stuff go on through that, you know that that hurt me um, that created new trauma um, But the cool thing is is that all the new trauma is not attached to the old trauma yeah. That's huge It's so huge that it's not, okay, I'm 41 years old and I'm also dealing with unpacking my childhood and unpacking abuse and unpacking divorce and, you know, any feelings of betrayal in there and and things like that. I'm not unpacking it altogether. And consequently, it's actually what makes me not be in this place where I'm Dragging through the mud of feelings about having my divorce, right? And so actually on Sundays It's family day and my ex-husband and the kids and I we go to dinner We go to you know or lunch we watch a movie together at my house or what you know We can we communicate we're friends um, And I really credit that ability Going all the way back to doing the work so early and so many people don't get that yeah. opportunity Um, or they don't realize they need it because we're taught to shut up. And I'm going to tell you right now, my story, like I, I watched the, um, the Gabriel Fernandez story on, on Netflix. I don't know it. And well, he's a kid who is kind of a famous case and they did a documentary about it. And yes, I am one of those people who likes to watch all the true crime and stuff documentaries on all the streaming services. But Netflix has really been the star of those lately. Um, It's so crazy how much of his story is like mine, being handcuffed to things, being set in ice baths for hours um, as a punishment. One of the punishments I got was having to eat these um, really insanely hot peppers, and I had to chew them until they were mush and then swallow them, and shocker. Shocker, I have acid reflux problems from that. Wow. <laughs> I have I have uh, what's called GERD, a gastroesophageal uh disorder, or it's like a reflux disorder that's like pretty bad. And um that is from when I was abused as a kid. I was punished. Um anytime I blinked wrong or I said something wrong according to somebody, I got the all these crazy um over the top punishments. Um I mean, one time I was, I had to sit outside in the rain overnight because I wasn't allowed in the house, you know, different things like that. I, I came home one time to the locks being changed, um, and had to, you know, find somewhere to stay. I started paying for all my own supplies, toilet paper, shampoo, everything by the age of eight or nine. Um, so these were things I, you know, I had to have kind of, that, that drive and that, that hustle, if you will, to, um, get through all of that. And so, you know, one of, there are things that, that echo from that time. Right. Uh Um, but it's not an ongoing trauma. Right. And so I was able to really, um, work on that and make something of myself and promise and that, this is the, one of the biggest things. And even though I'm divorced, my ex-husband and I have this very clear understanding because obviously I met him at 17. He's the one who helped me move out of when I of my mom's house when I got uh, kicked out. Right. So we got married very young at 21, and we were married for 17 years. And um, we still have this agreement. It's just like we um, – our kids do not have to go through – what I went through. I don't want that to touch them. They're aware of it. They're aware of that history Um, because I'm very real with my kids and and they're amazing little humans. Um, My daughter turns 13 tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I saw that. Yeah. And my son will be 16 in June and they're, um, they're just, I will use the word literally here, literally incredible. So I was saying my kids are literally incredible and um, you know, they're just, when I say they're little grown-ups, I don't mean because they grew up too fast. They just mean, I don't know, there's just an old soul element in some way to each of them. And so they really comprehend what I went through. And thus, they comprehend how hard I work so that they do not have to go through um, anything similar. Yeah. Um, there's there's definitely, you know, it's like I, I never want my children to experience homelessness. They never... Um, want them to experience any kind of um, abuse and I mean I've been through we talked about you know abuse as a, a from a parent perspective but I've also had other things happen to me and so you know there are things you know that we impart to like I've imparted to my daughter that it's very important that she understands that just because she's confident and she knows what she wants. It doesn't mean somebody's not going to try and force their will on her. So she has to speak up if something's uncomfortable, right. you know, um, and that it's okay. And that's what we were taught is we were still in that sweep it under the rug. I mean, and we're still just emerging as a society barely. I mean, it's still so fitful to take something and not sweep it under the rug these days. Yeah. So I, I don't want as much as it is up to me, I really want to avoid my children having a childhood they have to recover from.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, you've, you've seemed pretty resilient. You're able, like, you know, I know you for so many, you know, f- from so long. And I didn't know this until you started sharing it recently. And that's why, you know, I had you come out, come out here. So, I mean, kudos to you. And, and I have to say, there's one thing when you talked about how you, like, your church, someone in your church helped you, um, you mm-hmm. know, kind of pull through this. Uh, as somebody who, like, and this is a weird observation, but I, I think I might have even raised this in a pre- past podcast, um, there is a, I think there's something about the structure of a religious community mm-hmm. that lends itself to really helping people um, overcome a lot and or rather helps them, like, I, I you know, I see this from Facebook and I do genealogy Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I noticed that a lot of my distant cousins who like don't have any sort of religious identity anymore, they are definitely, they definitely struggle a lot more than those who do. It's a weird dynamic. And I think that there's something about having that community and having a community religious community, I, I'm able to observe it in a different way, but if you, if, right. you know, I think you can observe if you have a community as well, to some degree, but I think there, there is definitely a lot more, you know, I have a group of friends, that's one thing, everybody has friends, but there's something about that, that is different than what any, anybody else has dealt, like, has, has had, and I think that really helps, and I'm not, I'm not, like, I don't want to say I'm like a religious advocate here and I'm not trying to convince people to become religious in any way, but, but you're a community there. advocate. Yeah. And I'm an advocate of community.
1: A, yeah. The, the, the advocacy of community is so important. And, and, and I think, um, and for I think, a while I was, I was at a church that was like, you know, you don't have to, you can be involved without, you know, you, you don't, you can be an atheist. Come be involved. We're trimming trees on Saturday and we're going to hang out and we're going to have lunch. Right. Like, don't be alone. Right. You know, and, and, and. and but you so have to be part of that community. There's of
0: that. A, yeah. There's an element of that. There's also the element of the fact that I think the reason why community, like I'm an advocate, if you will. And I do say like, you know, religious community is because at least for me, when it comes to like, you know, Judaism mm-hmm. uh, for myself, but I think it would also um, translate to Christianity or elsewhere um, is the fact that there is that component to the fact that, usually you stay in that community you're not, it's not a community that you leave and come and go as you please. Whereas, you know, I, I, I advocate for other communities like the running community, the fitness community, but that's not a community that I feel like, you know, like right now, those are, those are limited only to like Facebook groups anyway. So they wouldn't notice if I'm gone. They don't, I'm not a big part of that. Right. But in the, the community where, you know, you're seen face to face your absence isn't recognized. it's noticed. There's something about that that's right. more important and it's more solidified. There is an
1: element that. of faith community that um, that lends itself to that when it's done well. I mean, I think in what we've seen so much of is it being not done well and being broadcast like across the masses. Like look at all this, you know, done poorly you know, community, religious community, um, you know, activity, I guess you could say, or, you know, like the bad actors, etc. cetera. And, um, so it can be really difficult, you know, people, but overall, as far as community and feeling like there's something bigger than you, whether it's, um, you know, religious or whether it's something that it's just like, this is my hugest passion, etc. but that that bonds you in such a way that, like you said, you, you can't get away with disappearing. And I mean that in the, in, in the unhealthy way of disappearing, you know, if, if you're, you know, spiraling down into depression, or if you're feeling like everything's falling apart, or you have a kid who you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like they're losing them or whatever feelings people might be going through that kind of community is, you know, when it's functioning right, that's the community that is not going to let everything fall apart. Right, right. And sometimes I have found that that community is like two people for me, and sometimes it's been like 200, right? right? So, and I think that that's like the natural cycle of of life and how we function. And I've seen that happen with my, my kids too. Um, how, you know, they had all these friends and then it sort of transitioned into this other thing. And now like my son is talking about how he has so much depth with his group of friends now. And, um, you know, that, that that's, you know, and they stay up on discord until four in the morning on the weekend, watching movies and talking about all the craziness of, you know, the school stuff that's going on and everything. And it's like, thank goodness they have that. You know, I don't care if you're on the phone till four in the morning, if it means that like, you're going to make it, you know, so just, just do that, you know, and, and the fact that, that I have kids that are supporting the mental health of themselves and others and that they understand what self-care is and that they don't, when they look in the mirror, they think they're fabulous instead of flawed. I mean, this is a miracle. We, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I grew up, you know, with the self-esteem was something I had to fight for. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I understand.
0: No, my mother gave me a self-esteem book. I remember that very, very, very acutely.
1: Yeah. And it was this thing. And it's just like, now I'm sitting here with a 13 a year old daughter who loves herself. Like I, I, I sat back a couple months ago and I thought, okay, that's not just a big deal because she has a mama who had to fight for that and came from hardship, but that's, that's a big deal, and it's not just a big deal because, okay, I must have something to do with it because I have raised her. Right. But within herself, she found who she is, loves herself and doesn't have all these hangups about herself. And it's just like, Oh my God, that is a miracle. You know, um, and then to see my son have confidence as well and confidence that is married to empathy. So without the toxic masculinity of it all, and it's just like, how did this happen? That's why I say, like, they're amazing. And so that kind of goes into the self-care bit of it is that when I became a mom, I said, OK, my identity, I've seen what happens to moms who their whole identity is kids. And I don't think it helps the kids either. And so I made sure I, because I do art, I paint, I sing, I actually dance. I learned to tap dance and jazz dance and actually did performances and stuff like that um, in the last few years. And it's, you know, I had my art displayed in a gallery. I did all these things. And um, some of that was all the year I was getting divorced. I just went for it, you know. Um, And my kids have even told me that that's helped them um, because, I wanted to show them that they can do all kinds of things regardless of their gender or if they're a parent or whatever, that they can still genuinely be themselves. And that taught them how to be themselves. And so they actually know who they are at a younger age than I knew who I was. Um, And so they see that example. And then they model that for other people. And so it's just, I, I tell them, I'm like, we're each a ripple in a pond, you know? Um, and so I'm just trying to help your ripple continue <laughs> from this and and that we're passing on good things. And so, yes, we're gonna take the 15 minutes in the evening to do a face mask, or we're going to, um, say, yes, we have all this work to do, but we're going to stop and we're going to watch a comedy movie because we all need a little levity. And then we're going to go back to all the crazy stuff that we have on our plate. And I, I, I really appreciate that they have absorbed that because that's my, I want to say that's kind of my biggest goal other than obviously I want to enjoy my life and be healthy and happy and things like that. But passing that on to them instead of all the other junk that I could be passing on to them is, is incredible. Yeah. It, it is my, my pure joy that the, the chains got broken in my generation from through me. And that, that is not something I'm passing on to them. And somehow it has been passed on to them that my daughter just said, Oh my gosh, I look fabulous today. This is great. It's like, Yes. And it's not with an arrogance. It's just confidence. And I run into that and I'll tell you still her generation I think is going to be much better, but I'm still as a 41 year old who's single and has been trying to, well, I'm not really trying to date anymore. I'm open to it, but I'm not like actively working on anything dating wise. But as I have, I have, met guys who said they don't want to see me again because, uh, they expected me to be less confident. Um, you know, and, and because I, you know, I'm, I'm overweight, I'm a bigger girl, I'm, you know, and they just expect me to be less confident. And you know what, that is the ultimate compliment right there. Honestly, it's like, okay, you can't handle my confidence or that I'm, you know, been successful at something, et cetera, then, then, then I am super happy to be single and stay that way. Um, I, I don't need to worry about that with someone else. And that's yet another thing, you know, I can model for those kiddos is you don't have to chase after what everybody, you know, what that societal norm, that social norm, you don't have to chase after it. You can be amazingly content and happy, um, and I am. And that makes me so open-hearted to whatever may come. Instead of bringing, if I were to have this amazing romance or whatever, I'm not bringing all this baggage with me. I'm bringing a smile and an open mind.
0: All right. So talk about that. Let's, because let's, I, I know you have to go soon. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about what you're, what you're doing um, for that happiness, self-care side of things.
1: Great. Yeah. But keep um, it, keep
0: it brief because I got one, I got, I got some more questions for you
1: before it's too late. I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. Well, I mentioned that I do art and singing and dancing and the singing is very important to me. I've been doing that since I was probably three or four years old. Um, and I, I do karaoke, um, before, you know, everything was shut down from COVID. I have a, there's an eighties club near my house and we would meet every Wednesday night and do karaoke there. And they had a great experience. I'm hoping that'll come back soon. Uh, But that group, we created a zoom karaoke group. So um, (laughs) I've created a zoom karaoke group. That's been meeting now. Tomorrow is our one year anniversary of meeting every week on zoom to do karaoke to sing. So I do that. And then also, um, I, I, I have, like, some skin issues, you know, like, I get dry skin easy, I get eczema. And so it was, like, really hard for self-care because it was, like, everything smells pretty and I can't use any of it because it it makes me break out. And I found this amazing company that makes stuff that smells super pretty and doesn't destroy my skin. And so I loved it so much after using it for a couple years. Now I sell it too. (laughs) And um, because why not? Because I get a discount on my own stuff. And um, through that, I make sure you know, I have a routine. I make sure to take care of myself. I make sure that um, I spend lots of time with my kids laughing and, um, you know, joking around and stuff like that. So like all of that is involved um, with with self-care. I mean, I love my dogs, you know, like they, they have two, two doggies and they make us all happy and um, they're great companions too. So all of those sorts of things come into making sure I'm okay. I mean, and that's, gosh, I, I worked from home for eight years. So when the shutdown all came, it was like extra super isolation, like on steroids. So it's like, now I'm super isolated. I already was pretty isolated. So that's why I would make sure I go out to karaoke and do all that stuff. But, but now, you know, it's been super important. You have to be, have to be very mindful of it.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, so for me, I, I talked about, uh, you know, singing has really given me a voice. It felt, made me feel like I can start talking again. And that was something that I didn't do for mm-hmm. a while. You know, we've known each other for a very long time. I'm sure you noticed, but you probably didn't notice, notice, because we've kind of been talking. I just never felt comfortable talking all, out loud for a while. Right. Social media, I was very quiet. I stopped blogging. I really stopped posting to social media. I stopped posting to Twitter. Yes, we met on Plurk, of all sites.
1: I know. <laughs> and when Plurk disappeared, hey, I was, appeared, was like, like, why not? What? You know, cause remember social media was like, Ooh, we got mentioned by so-and-so or, oh, this, these people, I had celebrities having me edit their wiki pages whatever. And now I'm like, eh, I'll yeah. do social. I know how to do social media, like, like the business, business for a client, for but for myself, myself, I don't right. need to be recognized anymore. Like, I'm Yeah. Gonna... Yeah.
0: I, I feel like I have to a little more so, and I do it more, but I'm like, there, it, there's different outlets that I have to do it. I don't do too, I don't use Facebook too much unless I'm like really like a big announcement. Right. Um, I'll announce probably that I'll vaccinate. And that's like the, that's the only thing I planned in my, you know, my, my docket, (laughs) if you will. Um, But I post about my brand all the time now and I wouldn't have felt comfortable. And Twitter, I stopped using Twitter for so long and people were, you know, people try trying to get my Twitter account. People try to get my Instagram account, but now I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's just the nature of the beast and I'm okay with it. Um, Yeah. And I think it really came from the ability and the desire to sing. I, it's a weird, it's a weird dynamic, but it, it, it felt, and it's funny because and I, I've shared this in the past, but I, I, when I, toward the end when I was starting to get better from, and I was seeing my, my therapist, my psychiatrist, um, I showed him, I sent him, I sent him one of my recordings. Well, we played it out loud in the in one of the sessions and we were singing, uh, confrontation by Les Mis in the Les Mis, uh, show. And like, you know, it's, we have different parts and we're singing at the same time. And he listens to this guy and he has a very upper voice. And I'm just like <laughs> me singing my, ah, you know, like I, I sing like a kid, but whatever. I, I was a soloist in, in, in high school, in, in elementary school, but he listens to the opera guy and he's like, that guy has a good voice. I'm like, what about me? His response was like, oh, he has a good voice. You're not so much. And I was so offended by that. But then I'm like, you know what? It's not going to stop me from being able to be who I am because I'm finally starting to do it. But I will say that it still left the mark. <laughs> and mentally, I don't think I'll ever get over that. But it's fine because... At least, you know, it hasn't stopped me. And my daughter's starting to do it and my and I'm like I'm just feeling more confident to be able to keep doing it. It's very therapeutic to do it. I don't do it for yeah. any reason but the fact that it feels good to sing a harmony with somebody else. That's it.
1: Yes. Yeah. And, and and that's what's important. You know, we we have I think as a society, we have all these all this access to all these crazy things like, you know, everybody's on YouTube and they're, you know, covering this big star. And then the star saw it and they, you know, and then, okay, now they have a recording contractor where America's got talent and the voice and American Idol and all these things. I mean, back in the day, we had star search and it was on like one. Yeah, I know. Right. You know, it was like, it was chill, you know? Uh, And that's how we got like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and all that, you know, but, but now it's just like, Everybody is so much more talented. I remember, you know, I had somebody reach out to me from America's Got Talent. or like you should audition this or whatever. And I mean, I kind of started the process at one point and and then COVID happened and it was kind of crazy, but um, it's just, I remember having this feeling as confident as I am, it's just like, I don't feel like I'm not good. I just feel like, whoa, you know, they're like this whole other level and i think as a society we we might be discouraging like our people who just like do this for fun or yeah. whatever because we're all trying to be the next such and such or like the viral video and everything and so um and i thought i was a little immune to that but then at that moment i was like i guess i'm not i, I guess <laughs> That's a know, problem. I'm seeing That's all a problem this stuff and, and it kind of made me feel like why should I yeah. do this I, I'm not that level and it's like, like no, no forget, forget it we need to you do that you know if you want to paint, paint and you suck at it, it just, who cares nobody, nobody there's no canvas police, police. So go buy more <laughs> canvases and make those suck too because yeah. you're enjoying yourself
0: you know exactly but it's funny because I enjoyed myself and I was like I'm good because when I was little I was always reinforced by my teacher Mrs. Tachinsky I loved her And I still love her and I haven't spoken to her in 30 something years, but her daughter just friended me on Facebook within the last like six months or so. So I Mm -hmm. should reach out to her just to speak to her, her mother, but like, she helped me so much in like getting that confidence. And then I felt like I wasn't afraid, but then, you know, when my my strength is like, well, you know, you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) He's supposed to make me feel better. He stroked my brain a little more, but it's fine. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know if we should go into that. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna lead with a last, uh, the, a final question, if that's fair. Um, okay. How do people find you? How do people learn, you know, get in touch with you?
1: Oh, great. Um, well, Instagram is probably the quickest way because then we can, you know, there's Facebook in there and there's private messaging on Instagram and all other stuff. So the easiest way is to get me on Instagram and I'm Anna in the studio.
0: Okay, perfect. And I'm going to last another question and you have literally, you're going to give me a 10 second answer okay if you can give an earlier version of anna some piece of advice what would you tell her it'll take 10 seconds to think about and that's fine
1: (laughs) tell somebody besides your family what's going on yeah okay yeah yeah, I, I would, would say if social media social existed back then.
0: You would have been tweeting. I, up the I might
1: have been rescued. I mean, I was almost a, 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 a statistic. statistic. Basically, a basically, I lived.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you so very much for this. And it's been a lot of fun. And I hope I hope you enjoyed it.
1: I enjoyed it so Thank much. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank so you so very much, Tamar. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right.
0: Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.